1: This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 39, and we are recording on Monday, July 25th. I'm Jen Northington from Book Riot, and our special guest today is Thea James from the Book Smugglers, and we are going to be answering your science fiction and fantasy questions. Welcome, Thea! Thank you! I'm so excited to be here. It's great to have you. How is
0: how is your day? You got caught in the storm. (laughs) There's a torrential downpour that I did get caught in, Um, but, you know, that's okay. It's kind of ominous and apocalyptic, so that feeds into like science fiction fantasy talk, right? Totally! Sets the scene perfectly. Uh, (laughs) uh,
1: So, if you're just tuning into the show for the first time, I will give you a little background on how the show works. This is a recommendation show, so what happens is you send us your questions and we answer them. Sometimes we have special guests like Thea. Sometimes it's just me and Amanda Nelson, the managing editor of Book Riot. Uh, sometimes it's Amanda and a special guest. It changes up. You never know what's going to happen. Um, the way you can send us questions, if you have any, is you can leave them in the form at the end of every post for the podcast on bookriot.com. There's a form there uh, in the show notes. You can email them to us at getbooked at bookriot.com. You can tweet them to us, all kinds of options. Um, And yeah, Thea, I asked her on specifically because the book smugglers does such a good job covering genre and we had so many super hyper specific genre questions
0: (laughs) that I was like, we need, I need backup on this one. (laughs) These are some good questions. They're tough. I actually had to think about a lot of them, like dig back into the archives. So good job.
1: Same. So Amanda's on vacation. So she's, she's like, she's, uh, she's escaping this round, but that's okay. We'll get her (laughs) next time. (laughs) All right. So, without further ado, I'm going to read the first question, and then we'll do our first sponsor, and then we will dive into the recommendations. All right. Our first question is anonymous. Uh, Oh, and I have to apologize to this person because I misread when you needed these recs by. I thought it said by August and not instead of, like, before August. So, sorry. Uh, The question is... Uh, I recently read Mists of Avalon, and I need all the Arthurian tales. Some people already recommended The Once in Future King, and it's on my TBR. Comics are welcome, too. Please let there be Arthur comics. Uh, thanks. So that is our first question. Before we get to our answers, I am going to do our first sponsor, which is Mods Line by Margaret Verbal. Uh, this book is newly out in paperback, and if you are a fan of... Beautiful, atmospheric, rugged Western stories, which I know you are because we get a lot of questions about those, and I am too. So if you like Sherman Alexie, if you like Louise Erdrich, Jim Harrison, um, all of these people who have done a beautiful job of chronicling the American West, you are going to want to pick this one up. It's about a young woman named Maud who is really trying to keep her family together they her father's like you know drunk and carousing and kind of not helpful uh her younger brother is a little bit sensitive and not really helpful either um and they are living in eastern oklahoma in 1928 on one of the allotments parcelled out to Cherokee when their land was confiscated by the government. Uh, so her life is hard, but it's pretty straightforward kind of hard. You know, it's like everyday problems like feuding neighbors and crazy family members and frustrating issues of that sort. And then one day, a book peddler comes to town and and unleashes a whole string of decisions that she has to make about what she wants her life to be like. Uh, So this is one of those beautiful slice-of-life stories. Um, It was also a Pulitzer Prize finalist, along with a good batch. This was in the same batch as Trouble by Kelly Link um, and The Sympathizer by Viet Thanh Nguyen, which won... And, uh, and so that's like very high praise in and of itself. And then on top of that, if you're looking for diverse recs, this is great because the author is actually, she's a member of the Cherokee nation and she's writing about material familiar to her. The book is set on her family's land in Oklahoma. So there's a lot of personal, uh, history that went into this as well as national history. So that is Maud's Line by Margaret Verbal. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right, so Thea, give us your first recommendation for Arthurian
0: Tales. Okay, so this is kind of a cheat, but it's one of my favorite series of all time, and technically it is Arthurian. So I'm going with um, The Dark Tower Cycle by Stephen King, um, starting with The Gunslinger and carrying on for seven books, uh, well, technically eight, and some short stories um, through The Dark Tower, uh, the eponymous final novel. Um, this series follows a gunslinger named Roland, um, who is going to be played by Idris Elba, um, in the upcoming film adaptation, which, which is we super like. exciting. <laughs> uh, we are all so yes. excited about. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's really pertinent and timely to start reading this series if you haven't. Um, Roland Deschain is the last gunslinger of the line of Eld, um, and the line of Eld is like... Uh, very courtly. Um, He's basically like, you can think of him as Arthur's son. Um, There's a lot of Arthurian imagery throughout. Um, There is a spider woman named Morgaine, who is, you know, uh, loosely, well, I don't want to give that away, actually. So rewind and cut that out, too. I'm very sorry, I'm not very good at this. Uh, Okay, so there's a lot of Arthurian imagery. Um, I think, you really want it but it's sort of reimagined with a western slant so roland spends his entire quest uh trying to figure out trying to catch the man who enchanted bewitched his mother who is the guinevere figure in this uh, and it takes them throughout this multi-universe multi-world spanning adventure uh kind of like if you know the lord of the rings was crossed with Arthurian legends of old uh, and a good old-fashioned spaghetti western. Nice. Uh, So this is one of my favorite series um, and the first book is called The Gunslinger and it's written by Stephen King. Awesome.
1: All right so my first pick for you is a childhood favorite. I grew up on these books. Uh, It's The Arthurian Saga by Mary Stewart and the first book is The Crystal Cave and I feel like these are like the ultimates in Arthurian retellings, at least for me, at least for me. Um, The very first one, The Crystal Cave, starts off with Merlin, uh, and like, who was he? Like, he's the figure that kind of sets everything in the Arthurian saga into motion, but where did he come from? Who were his parents? What was his life like? And the thing that Stuart does that I love so much is that she really sets it historically. So there's a lot of, you know, sort of Roman influences um, and you kind of can see the political landscape of England in this, like, time before time. Uh, How much of it is, like, actual history is, you know, whatever. Who cares? Um, But (laughs) but it's got a great balance between the magical elements and then the very, like, nitty-gritty, like I was saying, like, the politics of the time, the Roman history, the, you know history, all of that stuff. So that is The Crystal Cave, which is the first book in the Arthurian Saga by Mary
0: Stewart. Awesome. Uh, my second recommendation is Merlin's Harp by Anne Compton. This is actually an older title. Uh, I believe it came out first. Um, gosh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But I know it was recently repackaged in 2010 by Sourcebooks. And it's told from the perspective. It's it's another very feminist retelling of the uh, of the of the entire Arthurian sort of canon. Um, it's told from the perspective of Nivienne, who is the daughter of the Lady of the Lake. Um, her people are the fae and they're the fairy folk, and they sort of you know try to abstain from uh, the the world of men with all of their war and their blood and their violence. Uh, and so um, King Arthur, there's. Oh, I, sorry again, I don't want to spoil things. So I need to get better at that. Um, Nivienne has uh, some magical abilities and she basically ends up, you know, t- twisting sort of the threads of destiny and uh, intervening in Arthur's story and Merlin's story and really developing and saving this kingdom from utter disaster. And I just, I love this book very much. Uh, I love the repackaged look for it. It's very, you know, YA and sparkly, but I think the prose is really beautiful and again, a really smart feminist retelling. So I know that the initial question asked about Miss Babylon, which I loved so much, um, and I think this is a perfect complement to that. So again, this recommendation is Merlin's Harp by Anne Elliott Crompton.
1: I have never heard of that, and I'm gonna to have to look it up. That's exciting.
0: I thought it was wonderful.
1: I thought <laughs> I had read like every Arthurian retelling out there, but you know, there's always ones you miss. Um, so my second pick. Speaking of feminist retellings of Arthurian sagas is uh, The Guinevere Cycle by Persia Woolley, which I, okay, so I will caveat this Mm one. I read it when I was like 12, so my idea of feminism then was, is probably a little bit different (laughs) than my idea of feminism now, but I remember it being very lady focused. Um, And the very first, kind of like the Mary Stewart books I was talking about, the very first book, which is Child of the Northern Spring, is about Guinevere growing up and then meeting Arthur and becoming his bride. So it starts kind of early in the in the story um, t- about how she was raised w- royalty herself, uh, and then you know traveling across England to marry Arthur, and then you know as you know because everybody knows the story, this is not a spoiler. She doesn't actually fall in love with Arthur; she falls in love with Lancelot or whoever. They sometimes the names change, which I always think is interesting. Like in some of the Arthurian retellings, it's Bedivere instead yes. of Lancelot. Right? There's like all of these different anyway it doesn't matter she falls in love with somebody else and um and this is her story this is very much her story so yeah it's a three book trilogy which is always nice um and again the first one is child of the northern spring by persia woolley
0: all right awesome. next question all right question two comes from uh, another anonymous reader and it says um hello I recently finished Night Circus and love the ending. It's one of my favorite ways for a book to end and have only read one other book that ends this way, uh, which unfortunately I can't remember the title of. I'm wondering if you know of any other books that have a Mobius-style ending. Um, And I wanted to clarify just to make sure that I'm thinking of it correctly. A (laughs) Mobius-style ending is like a Mobius strip where you traverse everything without touching the same thing and end up back where you started. Is, Is that what... That's how I was interpreting yeah, it. Yeah. I, that's I correct, actually kinda. had to okay. go. I had to
1: go back and reread the end of the night circus because I couldn't quite yes. remember. <laughs> and so, what it, what, what I, I mean, I think you can interpret mm-hmm. this question a couple of ways, but specifically mm-hmm. at the end of the night circus, that ending mm-hmm. circles itself right back to the very right. first page. Right. So, like at the
0: very least, it's some kind of loop. Totally. Um okay so the question continues while i typically read sci-fi or fantasy i would i would be open to any genre that does this style of storytelling well and i think that is a really good question and also of course love the night circus um so Jen, do you kick us off? What? Uh, sure, i first, first. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is a hard
1: question. There are not a lot of books that do this. I, at least, mm-hmm. not in my experience. Um, so I went digging, and then I found a classic. Uh, if on a winter's night a traveler by Italo Calvino is. A great example of a book that twists and turns all in on, on top of itself. It's more like a it might even be more like a Gordian knot than a Mobius strip, but I think, <laughs> I think it will serve the purposes that you want. Um, it's the story of two readers who are trying to read a book called If on a Winter's Night, a Traveler by Italo Colfino. Um and there's missing chapters of the book and there there's an international conspiracy and a weird translator and the novelist is, you know, darting in and out of the pages and there's government stuff and it's just like a whole they call it a labyrinth in one of the reviews and I think that's very accurate it's a very labyrinthine kind of book I will say it's it's not an easy read but I think it's a really rewarding one if you like like books that are also a puzzle in and of themselves. And he's an amazing writer. I mean, he's just an amazing writer. So that's If on a Winter's Night, a Traveler by Italo Calvino. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Apologies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, My first recommendation is called Midwinter Blood by Marcus Sedgwick. Um, I believe this book actually won the Prince Honor um, recently. And Marcus Sedgwick is one of those authors who I basically love anything that he writes. Midwinter Blood is the story of a pair of lovers who, like in The Night Circus, um, fall in love against, you know, complete horrible odds that are stacked against them. Um, And it also tells their story throughout seven different parts, uh, through different phases of the moon. So there's like the flower moon, the harvest moon, the hunter's moon, the blood moon. Um, It tells the story of these two lovers, or souls rather, who keep searching for each other and ending almost always in tragedy. so what I love so much about this story is, or this series of stories, is that romantic love takes so many different forms. In uh, one point, it's a mother and a child or, you know, it's siblings, it's, you know, star-crossed lovers. It's it's not always what you think it would be. And Marcus Sedgwick's prose, again, is just beautiful, like really, really lyrical, beautiful writing. Um, It's kind of like The Wicker Man. Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen that horror movie, but it's it sort of has that feel um, set on this very isolated island uh, where these where these two souls keep trying to find each other. Um, And it has a very satisfying ending, which I will not spoil, uh, but I think does satisfy the criteria. So again, this is Midwinter Blood by Marcus Sedgwick.
1: Awesome. My second book is not well, it is kind of sci-fi because there's time travel. Okay, mm-hmm. so my second book is Long Division by Kiese Lehmann. Um, And this is a debut novel that I was lucky enough to hear him read from once. He's an amazing reader. If you ever get a chance to go on to one of his readings, I highly recommend it. Um, it's it's two stories. So the one story is about a 14-year-old named City Colton who breaks down during a nationally televised like trivia slash quiz contest and becomes an overnight YouTube celebrity. Um, and then he's like in the aftermath he's sent to stay with his grandmother in this tiny community called Melahachi and recently in this community a young girl has disappeared um, before he gets there he's given this weird book that doesn't have an author and it's called Long Division see what I'm doing here it's like a book inside <laughs> of a book um, and in in the book is also a character named City Colton who's traveling into the from 1985 He's traveling into the future and then also back to the past and The book kind of winds in and all over and around itself. and Lehman is a really interesting writer. There's a lot of, like, cool sort of rambly stream of consciousness passages in this book that I really enjoyed. It's very different from The Night Circus. Like, it, it basically has nothing else in common, I will say, mm-hmm. um, except for that the structure is twisty-turny and really kind of has a book within a book. Um, but that being said, I still think this is a great
0: read. So that is Long Division by Kiese Layman. That sounds awesome, and I think I need to read it. yes. <laughs> so. yes. Um, my next recommendation digs way back into my middle school archives, but I think also <laughs> satisfies the criteria. Um, it's called *The Starlight Crystal* by Christopher Pike. So when I was a kid, I like loved Christopher Pike. I still have my tattered collection with like the covers kind of torn off and the wonderful like retro '90s like scary font, um, and, you know, neon colors and the starlight, I I mean, I forced my mom never to throw those things away. So, um, (laughs) the starlight crystal was actually one of the first books that I got in trouble for reading, like way too late under the covers. My mom came in and was like, what are you doing? Time to go to sleep. You gotta go to school tomorrow. So, um, it's that good. And I have recently reread it and I still think that it stands the test of time. Of course I have Christopher Pike tinted glasses. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, but the Starlight Crystal tells the story of a young woman named Paige, who is 18, and she is given the chance of a lifetime to uh, join the crew of a spaceship slash time-traveling spaceship that is going to circle the solar system and study all of the things that happen um, on Earth throughout two centuries. But then something really bad happens to the Earth uh, while this spaceship is circling in its little alcubierre bubble and The Traveler. So Paige ends up being sort of this, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey person by herself. Uh, it's it's really a powerful science fiction book. Um, again, it's written for a young adult audience uh, and it was written in like the 90s. So um, it's not as as fully developed and some of the science is a little wonky, but I think as far as telling the story, of a story within a story and a story that loops upon itself um, and really getting that time travel aspect down is it's sort of perfect. Um, Although really has nothing to do with the night circus other than the fact that um, it is sort of that Mobius strip um, sort of telling. So again, that recommendation is The The Starlight Crystal by Christopher Pike.
1: Awesome. Another one I haven't read. My TBR pile is just growing (laughs) Yes, growing and growing. Okay. Question three is signed, looking for mutual book love, which is adorable. Uh, The question is, my hubby and I are so alike it's annoying to others, not us, except when it comes to books. He is a total history and nonfiction fan, and I love fiction, especially literary fiction and sci-fi. I would really like it if we could read at least one book that we both enjoyed. In the past, he's enjoyed Harry Turtledove's books. I find those okay, but I'm hoping for something we both have actual enthusiasm
0: over. Oh boy, this is another good one. Uh, Theo, why don't you go first? Okay, so my first recommendation is one of my absolute top ten favorite books of last year, um, *The Traitor Baru Cormorant* by Seth Dickinson. So imagine uh, *Guns and Steel*, *Guns, Germs and Steel*, and that sort of cross-pollinated with *Game of Thrones*. I know that's such like a marketing heavy thing. That's (laughs) That's totally what they build it as, but (laughs) that is 100% what this book is. So. Baru Cormorant is, you know, she's a young girl. She's only like seven years old when this um, different sort of empire comes and colonizes her home. And they bring their ships and their paper currency. And they, you know, they sort of swoop in and they totally, you know, sort of industrialize uh, and absorb this small colony. Now, young Baru, she um, she's already like a very smart young girl and she grows up to learn and to become, um, she wants to beat the system by becoming a part of the system. And she becomes not only like a member of the empire, but she becomes like the best tax agent that they have. And this is a sexy book and a really smart book about economics and trade (laughs) and tariffs. And history, um, but all reimagined through a sort of Game of Thrones style fantasy world. Um, There isn't a lot of, you know, magic that happens here, but it is a fictional land. Um, It really takes a close look at um, issues of, you know, um, gender, sexual identity. Um, It it takes a look at colonization, imperialism. Um, It's really just a fantastic super well-researched, beautifully written, and beautifully told book. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. I know there's a lot of controversy about it and I completely understand and respect other people's points of view. Um, But for me, this book was brilliant. Um, And I think that if you're a history nerd and a nonfiction nerd, and a literary fiction fan and a science fiction slash fantasy fan, this is sort of the perfect book for you to read together. Um, And that book, again, is The Traitor Bar Cormorant by Seth Dickinson.
1: Nice. Okay, my first pick for you guys is the very first book in the Oxford Time Travel series by Connie Willis, The Doomsday Book. I love love Connie Willis. (laughs) Like, whoa, (laughs) she's so good. Um, And some of her books are really serious, and some of her books are really funny, and they're all worth reading. Um, But this first one I think will work for both of you. Uh, It's about a student named Kivrin who is studying at Oxford. Uh, She's a history student at Oxford, but in this sort of concept, time travel is possible. And it's like strictly regulated and it's only for historians and they can go back in time, but they're not allowed to change anything. Um, So there's all these like, you know, painstaking limitations built into it. Um, And you have to do all this study for your time period, but you can go back and observe history so that you can be a better historian which is like as a history major that's an idea that's like both delightful and terrifying and Connie Willis really hooks into the terror because Kivrin ends up going to like the plague years um in the 14th century and she's a woman in the past which also is fraught with all kinds of complications um And so it becomes this story. And then she gets stuck, of course. She gets stuck. Mm -hmm. So so she is stuck, you know, during the bubonic plague. Not great. Um, Her colleagues are trying to get her back. She's trying to blend in and also, like and figure out how to function in a historical world that she studied for, but it's not really the same as being there, obviously. Um, And so there's a lot of cool history stuff here. There's a lot of good story stuff. Connie Willis is just, she has so much fun with this concept, but while also telling a very serious story. Um, And all of the books in this series, I just love. So that is the first book in the Oxford time travel
0: series. And it's the Doomsday Book by Connie Willis. Awesome. And I also thoroughly recommend that book because it is fantastic. Um, Okay, so the second book that I'm going to recommend is maybe a stretch, but um, I think it's fantastic. And it's one of the nearest and dearest to my hearts. And Jen, I know you love this book, too. And you guys have talked about it before. Um, But it's a Kushiel's Dart by (laughs) Jacqueline Carey. Yeah. So Kushiel's Dart is It's a little risque, but if you guys are reading this as a couple, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, So Kushiel's Dart is the story, it's it's sort of a reimagined enlightenment slash renaissance um france but in a fantastical setting um de Ange is what it's called i know i'm totally butchering this and i don't speak french so please i apologize for any of the stuff that i say Um, but phaedra no delaney am i saying that correctly do you know how to say it jen i think phaedra (laughs) is
1: right i think it's no delaney because that sounds more frenchy to me that sounds more french (laughs) it does but i only have one semester of college french so what do i know
0: I have absolutely no French. If we're talking Indonesian <laughs> or Japanese, I would be able to be there. But okay, so Phaedra is the heroine of this first arc. Um, it's technically the Kushiel series is six books long. I think the first three books are really the strongest. Um, the last three are not really as fun, although I do love Unreal. Um, But Phaedra is, you know, a young girl who's born with a mote in her eye—a scarlet mote, which denotes that she has been pricked with Kushiel's dart and. Husiel is the lord of pleasure and pain, um, so she becomes an anguissette, uh, a woman of the night. I guess uh, she and, but it's not. Uh, she's rather she's she is a prostitute, but more I guess courtesan is probably a better word. Um, where it's not something that's frowned upon um, in this sort of culture in this land, um, she is actually given power because she's able to. Uh, She's able to carry out these different machinations um, through the courts, through different powerful people, um, and serve her country as a spy, as a, you know, um lady in her own right, um, and and really help her country pull through these very difficult, war-torn things that are happening. Um so this book touches on history, it touches on um, romance. It's very, it's a beautiful fantasy novel that does have magic involved. Um, there are different gods, um, and Phaedra is just a heroine for the ages, I think. And her and Jocelyn are kind of two perfect people <laughs> and uh, among my favorite like couples in all of literature. So I, I think if you like Game of Thrones, Um, If you like really well-established world building, if you're really into history that's retold and spun in a different way with a a sort of fantastical light, this is the book for you. Um, And again, it's a little bit risque, but I think it's, it's really fantastic and truly one of my favorite series of all time. So again, the first book is Kushiel's Dart by Jacqueline Carey. All right. My
1: second pick for you two is The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Shaven. This book, I like don't even know how to talk about it with getting all tongue tied. Um, so I will try to be very straightforward about it. Uh, it mm-hmm. follows the lives of two cousins, uh, Joe Cavalier, who is a young Jewish man who escapes from Prague during the Nazi invasion. So it all takes place starting around World War Two. Um, And he lands in New York City and he moves in with his uh, cousin. Um, They're sharing a room in the family home. And Sammy, who is like Brooklyn born and raised, uh, wants to make comics. And it turns out that, you know, Joe can draw. He's been classically trained um, and he is a great artist. And so Joe and Sammy create the escapist, the monitor, all of these other superheroes. uh, And... It's about their lives kind of both before that meeting and after that meeting. And what Shabin does here is he takes an amazing piece of cultural history uh, because the rise of comic books, he, he really is sort of, you know, basing it on actual people and actual events, but with a fictional spin. And so a lot of the things that Joe and Sammy go through are pretty true reflections of what actually happened, um, to comics as a medium, as a genre, um, all of the crazy, uh, stuff that occurred during the House Un-American Activities, uh, committee investigations, um, and there's amazing, there's like a touch of magical realism, I want to say, um, there's Mm -hmm. a golem from Prague, and there's all of these beautiful sequences where you kind of get into the comics themselves, so it's just, I feel like there's a lot to love here both from the history angle and from the fiction angle. Uh, and, and it would be really, there's a lot of scholarship out there about what he, like the real life materials that he's drawing from. So once you get into the story and if you want to like do more research on the actual history angle, you can do that too, uh, which might appeal to your husband. So that is the amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay. It like won a Pulitzer Prize. Like it's a really, it's a really <laughs> it's a big deal. It's a
0: kind of a big
1: deal. It's such a good book. <laughs> I didn't read it until I was in my late twenties, early thirties. Um, it's been out for a while, uh, but it's so, just oh, it's so good.
0: It's, it's so great. good. I haven't read it so, and I know that's like a huge gaping gap, <laughs> I, like book nerd. I don't know, canon, I guess, so I really need to get on it. Um, I think but, you'll love yes. it, I do think you'll love it. Yay! Awesome. Okay, so the next question um, comes from Rachel, and it asks about, um, okay, uh, it, it reads, as part of the Pop, Su- Pop Sugar Challenge this year, my book from at least 100 years ago is on the origin of the species, which has sat on my shelf for literally years waiting for me to get to it. I'm a biology nerd, props, and I love natural history, but I'm also a sucker for good fantasy novels. I've been obsessed with a problematic, obsessed to a problematic level uh, for the last few years with Marie Brennan's A Natural History of Dragons. And uh, I'm rereading the series because I just started the new one and she keeps referring to things that happened earlier in the series and I don't remember. Um, But you know, you need to go back and read that and I totally understand that happens to me all the time. Um, what I'm looking for are fantasy books with a grounding in biology or natural history. Think Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, but a real book with a plot or Discworld, but instead of lots of physics jokes, biology or natural history jokes. Um, the Lady Trent books I mentioned above aren't funny, but are fairly thoughtful and investigate ideas of evolution and taxonomy. And I find that really absorbing. So that's the question, Jen, what's your first rec? God, this question was so hard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was it's such a good one, though. Um, it really is, yeah. so okay, so my first pick for Rachel is Dragon's Dawn, which is. This is a little complicated because, technically, in in terms of publication years, it's number nine in the Dragon Riders of Pern series by Anne McCaffrey, but it actually comes before all of the other ones. It's technically a prequel. So, like, within the story chronology, and I feel like if you're reading it from the first published one, it's kind of spoilery, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, let me describe this book (laughs) to you. Um, It is about a mission. To outer space, there's a colonist ship heading to a planet called Pern that has been sort of scouted by a bunch of um, surveyors and biologists and whatnot, as scientists who have decided that this is a planet that could potentially support human life, and, like, Earth is out of resources, and so we have to colonize other planets. Like, you know the story. So the colonists land, and then this like what they thought was a paradise turns into just a hell place because horrible devouring things that they call threads are falling from the sky and like eating through their livestock and their children and their houses, and only some materials can resist them. And they don't appear to be, like, sentient, but it's hard to say because they are kind of alive, and they don't know if it's, like, an alien attack or where are they coming from. And so the book is about the quest for the settlers who realize that they the only option is to stick it out. Like, they can't go back, so they have to figure out how to survive on this planet. Um, and so bioengineering, like, not to spoil anything, but, you know, the series is called Dragon's Dawn, um, Bioengineering <laughs> plays a huge role in this, um, and there's a lot of people in the books who are in the sciences. So there's like lots of talks about like surveying and geology and all different kinds of stuff that you would need if you were going to colonize a planet. Um, I love this series; it's a classic series. Uh, the rest of the books in the series do not. Well, it depends on which ones you read. There's like 30 books in this series, and some of them are more like biologically focused than others, but the whole series is really enjoyable. Um, And this book is actually my favorite of the whole series, if I'm being honest. I love the space colonist narrative, and I love the turn that McCaffrey gives it here. So that is Dragon's Dawn by Anne McCaffrey.
0: Yes, and I love that book, too, and wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, okay, so my first book that I'm recommending is called Zara the Windseeker by Nettie O'Korafor. And I this is like a book that I read just a couple of years ago. And I kind of thought to myself, and I think I wrote it in my review, like, where was this book when I was a kid? I mean, because it was it's eye-opening, it's lush, it's imaginative, it's just wonderful on so many levels. Um, so this book is set in a world where um, some children are born with vines grown in their hair and they're called Dada, or technically the locks are called Dada locks. Um, And if you're born Dada, you have, like, everyone immediately sort of is suspicious of you um, because you have different powers, you're not really human, uh, you're sort of looked down upon, you're seen as different. Um, This is all taking place on a planet called Ginen, um, which is, you know, a sort of lush vegetation uh, forest planet. So this world is enormous and humans only occupy a small part of it. So that's why there's this distrust of the Dada or anyone who is, you know, a- able to enter the greeny jungle where all of this magic, all of these monsters sort of reside. So what I love so much about this, this story um, is the fact that Zara as a heroine is not sort of a, you know, double my care like guns blazing sort of heroine. She gets frightened. She, you know, breaks down many times. Um, she has a best friend who is sort of the double my care one and in order to save her best friend, she is the one who finally accepts who she is. Um, so it's this path of self-discovery of of, you know, self-acceptance um, and all throughout, there are these different, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch from uh, the Lady Trent novels, but there is uh, this focus on the biology of these different characters and the way that they grow. Um, and Zara, with her, with her different hair and her locks, um, she's able to manipulate technology, which also is part biological in this world. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it totally works. Um, And I think it's just really fascinating and different. Um, And also, if you haven't read Nettie's work, um, she is just a wonderful author. So, again, this book is uh, Zara, The Windseeker by Nettie Okorafor.
1: Yeah, Amanda loves that book like, whoa, also, I have got to read it. I had not heard about it. I missed it somehow, and now it's, like, very high on my list. It's so, so, so good. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, it sounds like it. Okay, so my second pick for this question is Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer, which is the first book in the Southern Reach series, which is one of the weirdest series of books I have ever read. Um, And it's not fantasy, but you mentioned that you might be open to, like, Aliens, for example. And so I took that as license to go in a very weird direction. Um, But so the, the story of this book is that there is this region in Florida called Area X where nature has kind of reclaimed the land and there. And people are having trouble Penetrating the area So, like, people they, they keep sending off These teams To, like, investigate What's going on With this area of Florida And they, like, come back But then they all commit suicide Or they don't come back at all Um... Everything gets very weird. And so there is an 11th expedition who is... No, this is the 12th expedition. They're heading out. It's four women. There's an anthropologist, a surveyor, a psychologist, and the narrator who is a biologist. So it's like heavy science, like bring out all the science guns, and actually also they take guns with them too. Um, and they their mission is to map it out, um, to try to collect specimens, to record observations, like to go be scientists and then come back and um, tell us about it, but try not to get contaminated because they don't understand what the area is doing to people. And, of course, as soon as they get there, things start going wrong, people start dying, there's these weird... Places, it's like it's a tower, but it's a tunnel, and there's spores and fungi and like all kinds of weird vegetation stuff. Um, And for a story that's like about people and also not people, um, like I don't want to (laughs) spoil anything, but it's so, it's super obsessed with vegetation and ecology and um, biology in a really sort of engrossing way. I have not thought so much about plant life as I did when I read these books. So I think that in the way that like you know the Lady Trent books like get you thinking about the biology of how dragons work like this will get you thinking about how terrifying plant life could actually be if it was a little bit different from how it actually is uh, and also I really there's very few books that are obsessed with plant life in my experience in like the mm-hmm. sci-fi fantasy genre do you know and like in in a, in a way that's not just like the jungle is scary um, and I think Jeff Vandermeer has pulled something really amazing off with this book
0: so that is Annihilation by Jeff vandermeer i love that book so much and i love acceptance and authority i think they're wonderful wonderful books um jeff vandermeer really nails it Mm -hmm. um and they're so different from each other. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And no, I, I know. Acceptance is my favorite. I think actually, but Annihilation so is so good. good.
0: <laughs> I love Annihilation because it makes me th- okay. I'm totally going off script here, That's but okay. it makes me think of like um, Never Let Me Go and Kazuo Ishiguro, oh, where it's like yeah. that very insular, like you know, all of these little minute details, and you're you're just thinking all these things, and you're trapped in your head, and um, your head is not as safe as you right. think it is. Right. <laughs> and it's it's just so messed up. Um, yeah. And the other, okay, I'm also totally breaking the rules, but I just want to slip it in there. Um, Scott Smith's The Ruins. Mm -hmm. Um, If anyone has read that, it is fantastic as well. Totally, um, there's a great movie adaptation too, um, but the book is better. And it's, you know, vegetation that has a mind of its own um, and totally like terrorizes these tourists in Mexico uh, as they're on spring break. So. Anyway, that's not my recommendation. Though. My <laughs> recommendation <laughs> um, is actually going to be um, a book that I, has been repackaged several times um, over the past couple of years um, from a now very well-known author, um, but wasn't really at the time. So that book is called The Monstromologist by Rick Yancey. And this is a young adult slash horror novel um, which has been repackaged now by Saga Press from Simon & Schuster as a adult horror novel. Um, but really it's this fantastic story. The first in a series um, following a young orphan named Will Henry and his sort of adopted mentor um, named Dr. Pelennor Warthrop. and Dr. Warthrop is a man with a most unusual specialty, monstromology, which is the study of monsters. So he captures monsters, he fights them at night, he dissects them, um, and he puts himself and his young ward into very grave danger um, throughout the course of this series. In the first book, there are these like headless monsters with toothy bellies that rise from the dead and sort of terrorize this. Um, coastal, you know, East Coast town on the Cape, um, or not the Cape, but like, you know, small East Coast town. And it's, you know, set during like the eight, late 1800s um, and all told through Will Henry's um, recollected journal. So it's kind of an epistolary narrative, except, you know, it's sort of through his memory. And um, this, you know, small New England city of New Jerusalem um, has an abundance of monsters, a surfeit of monsters and young Will Henry and the doctor, the brave doctor um, fight them all together. And their relationship throughout the course of the series is just, it's fantastic to behold. Like you, you don't really know where you're standing with them. Uh, Dr. Warthrop is He's a father figure, but he's like the father that always lets you down. He's like that bad stepdad that kind of steps in at the last moment or, you know, and, and always like sort of pulls himself through. Um, and you know that he loves young Will and, and Will is trying very hard to please Warthrop. But at the same time, it's sort of this tragic story, um, of this young boy who's trapped in circumstances that are far beyond his control. Um, but what's wonderful about this series, and I think what ties it very closely to the Lady Trent books are, you know, the m- meticulously detailed journals, um, all of the different biologies of these monsters, Warthrop's notes, um, certainly in the first editions, although I haven't seen the Saga Press versions of them, um, there are diagrams, they are like, the end papers are really cool, um, they show like all of these different monsters, um, and you know, their biology, and really the monstromologist is focused on that. So I think this is a perfect fit. Um, and if you haven't read these books, um, you really should get on them. Uh, the series is over now, which is always a plus. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just think it's fantastic. So again, that this book is, uh, called the monstromologist by Rick Yancey.
1: Excellent, excellent. All right, so our second sponsor is us. This is your regularly scheduled reminder that Book Riot Live is happening November 12th and 13th. It is a two-day reader convention with the Book Riot crew, uh, lots of our favorite authors and speakers, and lots of our favorite folks pu- from publishing. There's going to be vendors and games and panels and discussions and all kinds of awesome stuff. Uh, and since you are a vet book listener and we love you, if you use the code Hands. Because, you know, we do that all the time here. (laughs) Uh, So code JAZZHANDS. When you register, you will get $20 off your weekend pass. And I'm going to tell you right now, because it is July 25th, that you should buy sooner rather than later, because the VIP perks are going away as of August 31st. So right now, you can still get in on the VIP perk tickets. Uh, So use code JAZZHANDS for 20 bucks off, bookriotlive.com. There will be a link in the show notes. Thea's going to be there, right, Thea?
0: I'm totally coming, and I'm so excited. JAZZHANDS ready. (laughs)
1: Excellent. (laughs) All right, our fifth question is from Emily. Hey guys, I'm asking for book recommendations for my boyfriend. He's a big reader, but isn't as into finding books as I am. If a great book comes into his path, he can read it within a day, but he doesn't care to go out of his way to find things and often rereads things he likes. Boy, do I recognize that pattern. That was like me for most of my life um, before I started getting free books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he loves fantasy. He's read the Wheel of Time books countless times. He also loved Tolkien, Mistborn, and The Name of the Wind books. Uh, he also loved The Martian and sometimes reads sci-fi are there any hidden gems in the fantasy world he would love or new books
0: that I can point him towards? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, Theo, what you got? All right. So my first recommendation is super, like, intense, but I am totally recommending it because it's fantastic. Um, It is The Three-Body Problem by Shixin Liu. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I think it's Shizin, but I could be wrong. Shizin Liu. Okay. So Shizin Liu, um, it is like nothing that you've ever read before. Um, it Jin Liu is um, a Chinese author. This is like one of the most well-known Chinese science fiction series. Um, has won all of the awards. Um, actually won the Hugo Award last year. Or is it two years ago now? No, it was last year um, for Best Novel. Um, and it's completely well-deserved. Uh, during China's Cultural Revolution, there is a young astrophysicist. And her name is Ye Wen Jie, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing anything again. Um, She watches as her father is executed um, in the name of science and progress and forward thinking. Um, So, this event will change everything for the future of mankind, basically. She is the main character, but not really the main character. Um, This story. Then jumps forward several decades um, to present day, when there are a bunch of people who are obsessed with this new sort of reality game, um, virtual reality game, not Pokemon Go, but like totally like immersive um, with you know the VR headsets, think Oculus Rift, um, where you're trying to solve basically a three-body problem, which is a really hard problem to solve um it's three different bodies that have irregular orbits and it's very scientific and hard to describe especially on a podcast um, but what's interesting is um, the the virtual reality game which is called three body um, it it has all these different people that become obsessed with it and a bunch of scientists start to die Um, And these very powerful, brilliant physicists, um, they all start to die. They commit suicide. And there is an investigator who tries to get in there and investigate these deaths. Um, The deaths keep mounting. Uh, There is another main character who is trying to crack the problem and immerses himself into the game despite the damage or the danger to himself, rather. Um, And... He discovers that within the game, there is actually a story. There is the rise and fall of a civilization called Trisolaris. Again, three-body problems, three, problem, three suns, Trisolaris. Um, and he discovers that maybe the game isn't just a game. Um, it unpacks so many different levels. It's really like it's it's really hard to describe because this book isn't a very straightforward narrative. Um, it has all of these different elements to it. Um, again, it's, it's really, uh, I, I don't think it's an undiscovered gem. I think everyone knows about it clearly it won the Hugo award. Um, but it's not an easy book to describe or to, you know, read or just pick up. Um, but I think it is a book that when you do start reading it, it just, it hooks you in, um, by virtue of being so different and challenging and wonderful. So, uh, I think I've done a very bad job of, of explaining how exciting and thought provoking this book is. Um, but it's, it's kind of like, it's science, meets <laughs> puzzle nerd meets puzzle box, like it all sort of tied up into one thing. Um, and if you're looking for something that's just truly different and will broaden your, you know, literary scope, um, I think this is the book for you. And again, that book is, uh, the three body problem by, uh, damn it. How do you say the name again? I think we're going to go with Shijin Liu. Shijin Liu. Okay. Again, that book is The Three-Body Problem by Shijin Liu. Okay.
1: That book is great. I'm just going to say that book is great. Okay, uh, so my first pick for Your Boyfriend is one that I missed when it came out. It's only a couple years old, but I just completely didn't hear about it until I was in a bookstore in Chicago and got hand-sold it, um, thanks to that (laughs) bookstore. Uh, And you might be familiar with the author. Cameron Hurley has recently gotten a lot of attention for a nonfiction book about feminism, but this is one of her fantasy books. It is called The Mirror Empire, and it is the first book in the World Breaker Saga, And it is amazing. I am just newly obsessed with this series. It's great. It does some of the most innovative world building I have read in years. Like, I really honestly, I mean, aside from N.K. Jemisin, like, it's hard for me to think of another person who's doing as many things with their world building as Hurley is doing here. So the basic sort of plot line is that All of all over the world um, in this world, which is a second world narrative, which means it's like a holy it's not a reimagined, you know, America or England or Africa or anything like that. It's just a completely new world. Um, There are these weird invaders coming through and each of the different kingdoms is having trouble fighting them off. And there's, it's not just that the invaders are coming from like across the ocean. They're actually coming from a different dimension. And one of the most unnerving things about this is that they're coming from a dimension that is just a different version of the world as it is. So they're familiar in ways that are disturbing. They're unfamiliar ways. They're unfamiliar in ways that are terrifying. Um, and all of these different characters from all of these different nation, country, cultures in the book uh, are trying to figure out like who to ally with, how do they fight it, do they join the new invaders, like how do you deal with this menace Um, there's really cool magic in here, there's amazing fight sequences, there's really cool politics, if you like that like Game of Thrones style political maneuvering there's a ton of that in here too there's a lot of really great characters all of whose names I have immediately forgotten because I'm terrible at remembering (laughs) fantasy names Um, but I just am like completely obsessed with this series now, I just I, I, it's it's like hard for me to talk about because it is so unusual. Like the cultures that she's created and the the um the different countries and how they live. It's so original. Um, and I picked this one in particular because the Wheel of Time. Like the way I'm describing this, the Mirror Empire to people is if the Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula Le Guin had a had like a one night stand with the Wheel of Time and made an awesome baby. That would be this book there's like yeah it's so there's like multiple genders there's all these different cultures clashing like there's and combining there's all of these different like magic things going on it's just bonkers in the best possible way um and i think everybody needs to read it immediately but particularly your boyfriend he's gonna love it uh so that is the mirror empire by cameron hurley
0: okay I'm pretty proud
1: of that, like, pitch
0: that I developed. I I think that was a fantastic pitch, and you really nailed all of the wonderful things that are wonderful about that book. Um, Okay, so my second second recommendation is The Goblin Emperor, Um, and this is a fantasy novel. Oh, sorry, that's The Goblin Emperor by Katherine Addison. This is a hopeful optimistic fantasy novel in a sea of grim, dark, terrible things, people doing terrible things to terrible people um, sort of (laughs) genre, right? So, I I mean, it it does, the grim, dark thing does, like, sort of weigh on you after a while. Um, And this is not, like, a super lighthearted book where everything's roses and ponies and unicorns. Um, This is a story about the youngest half-goblin son who has lived, like, you know, he's been exiled by his father, by the court, by, you know, everyone who is anyone in this kingdom. Um, and he's, you know, sort of the bastard child that no one really cares about. Uh, but then when his father dies and his three brothers die, um, they're killed in a quote unquote accident. Um, this youngest son, Maya, has no choice um, but to take his place as the reigning emperor. It is as Anna would say, the remedy to soothe ailing souls. It's the story of this young half-goblin son who learns, um, who is thrust into this impossible position um, to become the emperor of this empire and learns um, on the job who to trust, who not to trust, um, how to rule and how how to be the best ruler. And that he can be, even though he spent his entire life ostracized and, you know, has nothing else going for him, um, how to become the best leader that he can be. So this is, it's a beautiful book. Um, it covers politics, it covers economics, it cover, it covers social mores. Um, it's, you know, this the small character thrown into a big world, um, and he grows as a part of being thrown into that big world. And there's a romance angle, there's that wonderful economic angle, there's that wonderful socio-political angle as well. Um, Goblins are sort of looked down upon by everyone else. Um, And really, it's also kind of steampunky with like its technology and everything that's happening in the world. It's it's just really a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. Um, It's the kind of fantasy that is quiet and reflective and much more like character focused than story focused. And I think that that is, you know, a, it's kind of a nice thing to read. It's a change um, from the norm. And I, I really just loved it. It made my top 10 of, uh, I think, two years ago. I think it's a fantastic book. Um, I really, really, really recommend it. So that book, again, is The Goblin Emperor by Katherine Addison. All
1: right. My second pick for this question is David Anthony Durham's Acacia series, which is I, so I, yeah, Grimdark is a real thing, um, and it can be very satisfying, but, uh, it can be, um, Acacia is kind of, I don't know that it's solid Grimdark, anyway, okay, it is sort of like if you had Game of Thrones, but you took out all of the, because what George R. R. Martin is doing is he built that on the War of the Roses, right, like, he built it very specifically around English history, medieval history, so, um, The Acacia series is a throne narrative. There's a throne in question. There's a bunch of people warring for it. There's different contenders to the throne. There's different, you know. Parties and, but it's much broader in scope. It's truly international, um, unlike the Game of Thrones series. And it's kind of, it doesn't have to mess with all that medieval history stuff. So it's lacking. It's certainly violent. I'm not going to say it's not violent, but it doesn't have the gendered violence in the same way that the Game of Thrones was. So if you, if any of you out there struggled with that, um, this series, I highly recommend if you still like the idea of a very hyper political fantasy series. So, it starts off with uh, Leoden Karen, who is the ruler of the Known World, capital N, capital W. Um, and they've been the rulers forever, and people tie to them, and everything is relatively peaceful. And then he gets killed by an assassin, like you do. <laughs> um, and his children... Get scattered to sort of the four winds. They all go off with different protectors. Some of them get betrayed. Some of them get where they're supposed to go. Some of them don't get where, you know, where they're supposed to go, but not because anybody betrayed them. Um, And they all then are trying to make their way back to their home and survive this intense political breakdown. Uh, And so it's really, it's got a ton of characters, it's got a ton of moving pieces. It's really satisfying in that political fantasy kind of way. But it's much more international. There's a lot of different Um, kinds of people. There's a lot of different cultures and he explores them really fully because the kids, you know, are sort of your entry point. Like they all go off to a different sort of region that's really far from their homeland. And so they're exposed to all of these different things. Um, There's badass girls. There's really great guy characters. Like there's just everything that you could want. Um, And the first book is called The War with the Mine, but that is the Acacia series by David Anthony Durham. And we did it. We did it we did it (laughs) great job (laughs) i know no we did good we did good um okay so thank you guys for listening um please do rate us on itunes if you're listening on there it's a great way for other people to find the show and we'd love to hear what you have to say about it um you can find me at book riot or jen irl jen with two n's on twitter
0: thea where can folks find you you can find us on twitter at book smugglers um that's At Booksmugglers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or on thebooksmugglers.com and we will answer all of your questions or thoughts. And you guys are not just a review set, you're also a publisher, right? We are a publisher. We publish lots of different things, um short stories, nonfiction, um, as well as novels now. So check us out. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much, Thea, for joining us. Um, and thank you to our sponsor, which was Mods Line by Margaret Verbal. And also don't forget about Book Riot Live and we'll see you on the next show.